So this week's parsha is parshas Chuma, as we know, of course. The tzivoy, the commandment that comes that comes from Hakadosh Baruch Hu, va'osulim mikdash v'shechanti b'soicham. And it's very interesting in the way the Torah actually sets up the seder hadvarim as to why parshas dvarim comes after parshas mishpatim. The Bali Moser specifically, I believe it was Rav Salanter even suggested that the reason why parshas Chuma comes after parshas mishpatim is because once you're handling people's money and you're you're collecting. You have to have your Hashemayim for that. That's not so simple. You know, before you start going around and collecting for people's money and taking them, you have to have a certain level of sensitivity towards what it means, somebody else's property. You can't misappropriate funds. You can't, you know, start playing shtick and, you know, taking off the top over here and putting it over there. It's very important that a person should be makbid on Dine Chusha Mishpat and to understand that uh, it's not a small thing, especially for Dvar Mishpatusha. When Melo the Torah says, first learn the, the halachas of Chusha Mishpat, and then, Hashem, you could be collecting that money for a higher purpose. That's one suggestion that's given from the Bali Musir. However, though, I wanted to maybe delve into a different suggestion, a different idea as to why Parshas Mishpatim it, 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 uh, it is after and set up after Parshas Mishpatim. Now, we say in the last week's Parsha, something very, very interesting over here. The Torah says, of course, as we know famously, this is the famous idea that Kal Yisrael responded, that we responded, first we will do and then we will listen. Now it's really interesting because you take a look actually in the Psukim, the Pasuk initially doesn't tell us as to what the actual collection of the money was for. Come and give me a truma. Come and give me a donation. For those who are Yitzvanaliboy, the ones who are inspired, but clearly, yeah, they're being asked to give money. But the question is, for what specific purpose? It's not stated explicitly. Only later in the Psukim does it actually tell us what And by the way, there are Mepharshim that hold, there are Rishonim that held, that the only time of the Tzivoy of building the Mishkan, when was actually that, that Tzivoy set over? After Chet Ego. Okay? Not necessarily clear that right now we're dealing with the after the Chita Ego, later the Torah is going to... So what's going on over here? That the Mishkan, the Tzivoy for the Mishkan, is in a sense being told over here, again, it's not being said specifically, and only later on, after the Chita Ego, was there actually Tzivoy HaMishkan. That was the simon that Kalash Baruch Hu was Meichel Klai Yisrael, right? That Hashem actually forgave Klai Yisrael for the fact that the Shekhinah rested on the Mishkan. So, <laughs> seemingly, it's that Hashem was asking us to give without knowing specifically and directly why we're giving. Why? Hashem wanted to say, you know, they always say, they say in America, put your money where your mouth is. You know, it's very nice. Yeah, you tell it, you say this, you say that, you, you talk a big game. The question is, are you willing to make a sacrifice? Are you willing to actually put your money where your mouth is? To actually put the money properly where it goes. You say this, you say that, Nasev and Ishma, aha, so let's do it, let's actually see you. Now, oftentimes, people, when it comes to their money, that's where they start getting a little bit more... Uh, Less, uh, less as excited as, as they were before. People talk, again, like I said, people say, oh, they talk a big game, they talk very uh, philosophically, they can wax all day and all night about their values. But the minute they actually have to start sacrificing, which is of a, of a physical nature, that's where things get a little bit difficult. So Kosh Baruch said, ah, you said Nasi Vanishma? Okay, so no, let's see. I'm going to ask you to give without even knowing why you're giving. I want to see if you're willing to sacrifice, whether you're willing to actually give Towards the Mishkan. Be towards later, what will be the Mishkan? Mishka. So Klai Yisrael, by Dafka doing it. By Nidvenali, but that's Gufa Why It was such a beautiful thing. The fact that people were highly inspired because they didn't know necessarily for what reason they were giving up their money for, and yet they still gave. And that speaks to the tremendous, tremendous chesed and tremendous 
schus that Klai Yisrael had by giving and donating for the Mishkan. That's very interesting because what we understand that really this idea of giving for the Mishkan was an Indian really of sacrifice, was an Indian of giving over for ourselves. So actually maybe we could use this to be Miyashiv Machlikas Rambam and the Ramban. There's a very fascinating Machlikas Rambam and the Ramban in the beginning, the Ramban in the beginning of this parasha and the Rambam in Hilchus Beis HaBechira. The Rambam tells us in Hilchus Beis HaBechira that the, in, the inherent reason as to why there is a Mishkan is it should be a bias la'ashem l'hakriv karbonis. The Rambam, you know, seems to be very logical and very practical that the reason to have a Mishkan is literally why, or Beis HaBechira specifically, is to have a Mokam l'hakriv karbonis. That's it. It's a practical reason. It's a practical aspect. And yet it seems to be kind of interesting because you read the, the Pasuk, the Pasuk says, Make for me a sanctuary. And I want to dwell within you. And this is what the Ramban speaks out, that the whole entire purpose of the Mishkan was inherently for the Hashras Hashchina, for a much higher value and idea and lesson. This idea of a higher purpose of HaKosh Baruch Hu placing his, his divine presence among us that should be an inspiration for Klal Yisrael. Seems to be like, uh, there seems to be an argument between the Rambam and the Ramban. Again, let's repeat it again. The Rambam says the whole entire purpose seems to be a practical purpose of bringing karbanis. As opposed to the Ramban, the Ramban says no, and it seems to be echoed even in the Psukim. That I shall dwell among them. So, how do we understand this argument? How, do we, how are we able to miyashev two, these two opinions? If the Mishkan really is the whole process, especially of Klai Yisrael, the ones who are sacrificing for it, and they didn't know what was the purpose as to why they were giving it, I think that really speaks towards what the Rambam, in a sense what the Rambam is saying. In order to have a makum for the Hashar Sashchina, you have to have that Indian of sacrifice. That's good for the point. Meaning exactly that is the essence of the Mishkan. The essence of the Mishkan is a place to make sacrifice. Part of that is, yes, Hakravas Hakarbanas, the physical animal, but there's also an element of the personal sacrifice of the self. You know, they, see, they speak about in Sifra Kabbalah that when a person brings the carbon, they should be looking at as if they themselves are on the, the Mizbech itself. It, meaning, not, it's not just purely about bringing a carbon. It's about viewing yourself as being given over to it. You're supposed to be seeing your chalev, your fats that are being burnt up, your essence, your taivas gashmi is being brought up on that Mizbech. You know, they say that even though we don't have the base of Megdash, doesn't mean we don't have a base of Megdash. Our homes is a Mikdash Ma'at. Our home is a mikdash. Hashem wants to dwell in that house. But how do you make space for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to exist in that place? How do we make space for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to dwell among us? Through sacrifice. I think we all know what that means. I think that uh, we can all find Mekoymis, what that means, how we can, for our own selves. To create that space within ourselves to then create space for someone else to exist. The only way that Klai Yisrael could do that was through the Indian of sacrifice. Was, although they didn't know why they were giving, but that was a sacrifice. That was exactly the point. Creating that space, that makum for Hashkar Sashchidah. That's the duality in terms of ourselves to our Hashem. But, but also the beautiful aspect of us, the Mishnah, just to turn it to a different angle, which is HaKadosh Baruch Hu also was making the Tzivoy outside externally from ourselves. What does that mean? Meaning, if you look at human history, I mean, the idea of creating a sanctuary wasn't like, I mean, they have, they, they theoretically, they found uh, quite a few archaeological digs of places where people also, nomadic groups, Celtic, Celtic. It's not an uncommon idea within human history that someone should build a sanctuary to do whatever in the world they do over there, right? They have places that they can, that the, for example, I think in, they have in England, what's the place with all the different rocks that are on top of each other? Stonehenge. They can't figure out. Stonehenge. They don't know why they, the, they, why they built why it. They don't know how they even did it. 
right? The pyramids, all these, all these different things. It's very fascinating that human history has shown that, that there's an inherent desire within us, within humanity, to want to reach out. It's, it is, uh, uh, is stemming from a, a, a real place. What is the pshat over here? What is the pshat? Because it's within our nature to want to reach out. The difference is when it comes to Kalites, when, when it comes to the Mishkan, is Hashem was reaching out to us. That's the difference. Meaning, human history, humans have been trying to reach out to a greater being outside of themselves for thousands of years. But it's the first time in recorded human history that it ever was even claimed this way, that Hashem asked us to do it. That's a very different stage. That's a very different relationship. Asked us to do what? To build for Him a sanctuary. Not that we wanted to build it and no one told us. So. Is that how it works? 100%. And he said, what do I, I don't We're talking about the Mishkan HaKadosh. Correct. Later on, there was a desire to build it, but it was only right. because there is inherently already a desire from HaKadosh Baruch to build that Shekhinah for himself, to build that Makam HaShekhinah for Hashem himself. I mean, that's a very, very big statement. That's a, that's a massive, world-changing event. And you see that this, you see this theme throughout all of Yiddishkeit, that this HaKadosh Baruch Hu always telling us, it's not us, do we have the desire for Shetzach? We have the desire. Avram Avinu, of course, reached out. But the first time that Avram Avinu ever was spoken to was by Lech Lecha. I mean, he was an external, outside force. That changes a lot, of, a lot of things over here. That means that something really life-changing and impactful over here. What's impactful? In the sense that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants a relationship with us. Of course, we, understand. We, were only, we want a relationship outside of ourselves. Of course, it, it, you know, people are very much happier when they feel there's a bigger presence. But there's more than that. It's that HaShem wants a, presence with, wants a connection with us. And this is actually spoken out very, very powerfully in the Medrash. I believe it's Medrash Tanchuma. Could be, could be correct, maybe Meshraba. The Medrash says that when the Tzivoy Vo'asi Lemiktash V'shechanti V'shechanti came to Moshe Rabbeinu, Nizdazeyah Moshe, he started shaking. He said, how is it possible to create a world, to create a Makum where it could fit HaKadosh Baruch Hashem, you're mamish, you're, you're, you have no time, you have no limitations of time and space. How is it possible to create a physical structure for you? This is what the Medrash says. Bam Medrash. How is it possible? So Hashem responds back to Moshe, not according to my capabilities. You're right, 100%. You can't, there's nothing possible to create a physical structure to, make, to retain a non-physical entity. I want it according to your, your capabilities. There's a beautiful, beautiful lesson within here, which is that Hashem is, is saying, I'm not, I'm not viewing it through the, the lens of a supernatural being disconnected from this world and disconnected from humanity? No! I want humanity. I like humanity. I like the mistakes that humanity makes. I like the limitations that humanity is. I like the ability for humans to be human. This is the Gemara Shabbos. Gemara Shabbos. Hashem wanted to give the Torah to Klal Yisrael. The Malachim, don't give it to them. They're, they're, they're full chatoim. Doesn't mean you should, but it is. It's a reality of life. We're humans. We, we make mistakes. The Malachim are saying that's not a reason to give to the Torah. Hashem says, no, 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 no. That's goof for the reason when I give them the Torah. Why? Moshe responds back. says, Moshe respond back to Malachim. Do you have parents? Do you have taiva, kinah, None of these things. The Torah is goof meant for us. The connectivity that Kaj Baruch wants with it is dafka because we are human. Is dafka because we make the mistakes. And Adrab, if you embrace those, that challenge, you embrace the human experience, you embrace the lack of perfection, which is by definition perfect for us, that's why Kaj Baruch wants that connectivity. This is a lesson and a message for all of humanity for the thousands of years for, from that period till now. 
Kodesh Baruch Hu wants to do among us. Hashem wants our connectivity. And it's very important for ourselves to remind ourselves consistently and constantly. Very often, especially in this door, it's a tremendous Nisayim in, in our door that people have too often, they give up. They expect too much perfection of themselves. That doesn't mean that a person should then say, okay, well, then I'm just, oh, I see clearly Hashem loves me, even if, I, even if I'm not trying. No, no, we try. You're expected to try. But the result of your trying shouldn't, doesn't have to be perfect. But a trying nonetheless. Right? For our purposes, we're going through a sugi, we go through a gemara, a gemara, a ashitosis. It may not always come out with clarity. But it's okay. It, that shouldn't stop you from, from not trying. It shouldn't stop you from, from, getting, from turning the page to the next sugi. From being willing and capable of yes, even sitting down and with a write-up, and you're still not clear afterwards. Wow, Baruch Hashem, you're human. It's an amazing thing. Okay, we should try, we should have clarity because the Torah was given to all of us and it's shayef and possible for all of us to have clarity in the Sogis. But nonetheless, it shouldn't stop you from trying further. It's the, it's the acceptance of the humanity. It's the acceptance of our limitations is what makes us who we are and HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants that. It's a fascinating thing because again, to understand from human history what this means for us. I mean, but you know, among the Greek and Roman philosophers, they had a certain very weird, I, would, I think it's very weird, other people would argue, but we don't care what they think. Uh, I believe it, but I don't, I, don't, but I don't actually believe it. In the sense that they claim that Hashem, or their, their concept of a deity, their entity of a deity, is an unfeeling, unmoved mover. Right? This is the Aristotle's conception of God, which means that there is a creator, of course, because otherwise, how, how did anything become into, come into place? Because the only reason a ball moves is because clearly something pushed it. And the thing that pushed it must have been pushed by something else. So what pushed that? Oh, it must be something called an unmoved mover. Something that pushes, but it never pushed. It. Nothing ever pushed itself. That's what created structure and uh, and and uh, movement in this world. But since that thing that originally pushed the whole universe and why 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 nature exists and why life exists doesn't care ki about you. <laughs> this is what the Aristotle writes. I'm putting it into modern day terminology. He could care less about what goes on in day to day life. He has no interest. He's involved in, in in things that are much more important than you. This is literally what Aristotle writes. And, and many of the, the Aristotelian philosophers, from his Tamidim to the Tamidim, Tamidim this is all they're right. And they, they, they live in this world where God and the entity that created the world does not care about you. And there's no interest in you because you're a lowly nothing. Comes the Torah and says, no, completely wrong. You have it completely messed up. You don't even have any clue at all what's going on. You have zero conception and zero nuance to understand that although HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, is Mamish, the Miley Miles, way above us and way beyond this, he still cares. That's the beauty of it. I want to be part of it. I want to be connected. And that is, in a sense, what the Medrash is echoing, a beautiful idea. Which is, although Moshe says, how is it possible? You, you were up there and we're down here. No connection. There is a connection. Is a message for Kalali Israel, is a message for the humanity, for the whole world, and specifically for ourselves. Wish Hashem is a wonderful Shabbos. And uh, we should continue to stay. Wish Hashem.